Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The word of God from this morning's epistle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is God's word. There are a lot of ways that we can describe the work that we do here in the church. One of the ones I have always loved is the idea that we shepherd souls. That's an old image that the church used to use, that pastors are shepherds. That the word pastor comes from that, and we gather together as the flock of God's people here in the church. Others will point to Matthew chapter 28, right? The Great Commission, that we're here being baptized and taught in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are making disciples. That's, that's what we do in the church. We make disciples. It's absolutely true. Some would talk about the work of mercy that we do in the church. The church is a place where we come to be shown God's mercy in Jesus Christ. And then we, in turn, reach out to others with like mercy for the world around us. All of those are accurate and fitting and good ways to describe what we do here in the church. St. Paul gives us another motif, if you will, this morning that maybe we're not as familiar with. He says that we in the church have a ministry of reconciliation. Here again from St. Paul in our epistle. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The word reconciled can be a financial term. A person reconciles their checkbook ledger with the bank statement. It essentially means that everything is made right. Everything lines up. Everything is where it ought to be. There are no differences or discrepancies. Two people reconcile after a fight when their differences are resolved and the friendship is restored as to how it was supposed to be before the fight happened. Now, reconciliation can be hard work. If you've ever had one of those discrepancies in your checkbook, you know what I'm talking about. The bank statement shows that you have $50 less than you think you ought to have in your checkbook, and you spend maybe an hour or two or more trying to figure out where that $50 discrepancy is, and maybe at the end of the day, you just throw up your hands and say, the bank must be right, I don't know where I went wrong. 
I know every week Sherry and our secretary Renee count the offerings, right Sherry? How many times have you guys had a moment where what you guys count doesn't reconcile with what ought to be there? And then there, there's a struggle to get it sorted out. Friendships and relationships can be even harder to reconcile. Maybe you've had a falling out with someone before. Some words were said that can never be taken back. And that relationship has simply changed forever. Maybe you've been a part of one of those falling outs before. Maybe you know the difficulty of repairing something that seems forever broken. The relationship between you and God is one that is broken. From the time you were conceived in your mother's womb, God and you have been at odds. God is your enemy from the moment we are born because our flesh, which Paul mentions in our reading for today, we have a flesh that craves and desires those things that God hates and that he's utterly opposed to. So for example, God hates the worship of idols, but every one of us is born an idolater, placing things above God that ought not to be above him. God hates coveting, but all of us, throughout our lives, we desire those things that are not ours to have. God hates murder. Yet every one of us is conceived with hate in our hearts toward our fellow man or woman. God hates adultery. But every one of us is born and conceived to seek that which satisfies our own pleasure rather than putting God's ways above our own. Put in the terms of our holy gospel. We are prodigal sons and daughters. Our Heavenly Father has poured out His riches on us. He's blessed us with life and opportunity. And from the get-go, we have squandered it. We've been selfish and greedy. As the prodigal son fornicated with prostitutes, you and I have fornicated spiritually with those false gods of self-pride, self-centeredness, self-worship, self-gratification, putting the self above everything else. And so that is why God reconciles us. God takes the steps that are necessary to make things right between him and his beloved children. And it all happens in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul calls you and I a new creation. All of that brokenness that Adam and Eve brought into the world and that we've inherited being born into sin, all of it, Paul reminds us, has passed away. It's all gone. Because when God looks at you, He sees his son, Jesus. He doesn't look at your sins. He doesn't look at your faults. 
He doesn't look at the horrible thing you did a while back you're still feeling guilty over. He doesn't look at the terrible way you treated your family that one time. He doesn't look at the money you stole or the time you cheated on your spouse. He doesn't look at the times you've taken his name in vain. He doesn't look at the times you gave into laziness instead of doing the work he's given you to do. Instead, God looks at you and sees Jesus. He doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus who has no sin. God looks at Jesus and sees that he is without guilt. God looks at Jesus and sees that he never mistreated his family and friends. God looks at Jesus and sees that he never stole, that he never committed adultery, that he always honored the name of his father and gave it the glory it deserved. God looks at his son and sees that he is offered this holy, sinless, perfect life into death on the cross and God counts it as your life. Dear friends, everything in Jesus is made right between you and God. All of your sins are as if they had never been committed. King David sang in Psalm 103, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. God our Father shows compassion to his children and removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. That is being reconciled. Jesus taught us about the Heavenly Father's love and compassion and reconciliation for his children in our gospel this morning. Again, the parable of the prodigal son. I heard it said once, I can't remember where, so I don't take credit for this myself. But I heard it suggested that this parable ought to be called the parable of the prodigal father. Because the word prodigal just really means to be extravagant, wasteful, beyond what is sensible. And I want you to think for a minute this morning, what's more beyond sense? What's more outrageous in our gospel today? That this son took his inheritance before his father was even dead and went and wasted it and fornicated all his money away and wasted it on useless things that gratified his momentary desires? Let's be honest, people in our world do that all the time, don't they? We probably know people who have done the very same thing with all they've had. They've wasted every God-given blessing they've received. That's nothing new. But I'll tell you what's outrageous and unexpected and beyond our comprehension. 
is how this father can so completely and totally and without hesitation forgive his son and receive him back. I mean, God grant that all of us who are parents would forgive like this. But this father takes it to a level the likes of which none of us have ever seen in this earth. The son thinks that he can go back and perhaps he can be one of his father's servants. Then when he sees his father, he realizes that's even a useless proposition. All he can do is beg of the father's mercy. Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And how does the father respond? How does the father pour out his love upon that son? Without a hesitation. He says, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The family of God celebrates when the father reconciles his children to himself, when sinners are washed in the blood of Christ himself, in whom we are a new creation. Paul tells us that this is our ministry. That's what we do in the church. We show people that they've been reconciled to the Father who loves them outrageously. In fact, this forgiveness and love that is beyond our understanding, we're called to love and forgive that way as well. We're to rejoice and celebrate when sinners are forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ, when they are reconciled to their father. In fact, St. Paul calls us, in our text, he calls us ambassadors of reconciliation. Dearest friends in Jesus Christ, the Father has reconciled you to himself. Everything is right between you and your father. The audit is complete. The books all check out. There's no discrepancy. There's no error. Only the perfect love of Jesus and his death, which lets you know you have the perfect, outrageous, beyond our understanding love of our Heavenly Father. Dear friends in Jesus, let us celebrate that today. That we have a Father who loves us so. And that in this ministry of reconciliation, all is made right between us and the Father who loves us abundantly. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.